This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. And we're back, folks, for another edition of the Michigan Basketball Insider with my guy, Tim McCormick. I, I tell you, Tim, they, they lose games. I hate it. But I always feel better because I know I'm going to sit down with you and kind of kind of get you to kind of tell me the where I should be concerned or where I shouldn't. You're going to make it make sense to me, Tim McCormick, who is a former Michigan basketball standout before going to the NBA, uh, where he played for a decade and now in broadcasting, has been one of the best in the game ever since sitting, putting the headphones on and now have the great fortune of putting on the headphones uh, with us and for you. Tim, how are you? I'm disturbed. <laughs> <laughs> and And I'm not going to tell you that you shouldn't worry. Um, last night was, I think, a devastating loss. And I don't want to sound too dramatic. It's not even Thanksgiving yet. So, um, but but last night was just a, a bad effort. And, and it showed some real weaknesses. And the problem is that everybody that's going to play them is going to watch that game over and over, and they're going to learn from it. Um, I thought the offense was ineffective. Um, too reliant on Hunter's post scoring. Uh, once you double team him and make him a passer, who's going to score? Um, Hunter rushed some shots. He looked frustrated at times. His energy was low. Um, he forced the action. I was surprised. And and I, I probably have seen him play um, a lesser game than last night, but I can't remember it. And he still had 14 points, which shows you how good he is. Um, also, I didn't think Arizona State was a very good team going in. I still don't think they're a very good team. They're just middle of the pack in the Pac-12, probably lower half. Um, and to put it in perspective, I was looking through their season. They uh, they played Texas Southern. Texas Southern is one and four. Texas Southern plays in the SWAC. And Texas Southern's only loss this year was, I'm sorry, um, their only their only loss was to Arizona State. So that kind of puts it in perspective that, that last night was more about Michigan. And it also reminded me a lot of many of the flaws of Eastern Michigan. I don't think Eastern Michigan's a very good team. I think they're middle of the pack in the MAC. Um, and then they came right out after the Michigan game and lost to Bradley. So, um, yeah, I'm I'm worried, and I, I think there's a lot of flaws that need to be corrected. You know, I actually my my primary concerns came on the or biggest concerns came on the other end of the floor. But I want to start where you just uh, where you just began talking about them on offense. And frankly, and I want your perspective on this as a big fella. My frustration watching was it didn't seem to be a priority to get Hunter touches. I mean, Mm -hmm. it felt like we went huge stretches where Hunter didn't get a post touch. And I I just feel like if you go multiple half court, you know, two half court possessions in a row, 
without Hunter getting a hit, getting a touch in the paint, then we have a problem. I, I say, remember who your best, who your best guy is. Where the bread is butter. Now, is that is that other guys shooting too quick, or is that Hunter not working to to establish himself on the block harder? I don't know what was at fault. I just know, I felt like man, when when Hunter did get touches, he was 18, 20 feet from the rim. And then there are other times where it was like he didn't even get a look because the ball went up so quick, or or they they it was a roach, you know, they kind of rotated the ball and and a shot went up and it didn't work through the post. And I think this is a team that has to work inside out. I wonder what you think about that. No, we, we've always talked about that, Sam. And you know, I I think last night Michigan had an identity crisis on the offensive end. And when I say that, I mean that that Michigan's perimeter players. Were, were basking in the glow of the Pittsburgh game where they were saying to themselves, yeah, I'm in a new role here at Michigan, but life is good, man. We, we um, swing the ball a few times, throw it to Hunter. He kicks it out, and we get wide open shots from this. And, and the game didn't start out the way it should. Um, Hunter missed a dunk. He missed two layups. He missed free throws. And everybody was caught off guard. And defensively, you saw Arizona State had the size and the, the, the game plan to make Hunter a passer. And it just, it was really uh, upsetting to me to see Michigan score 90 with ease against Pittsburgh with 21 assists. They shot 58%. And they had the kind of balance that, that a coach wants, interior and exterior. And then all of a sudden they relaxed. And I'm completely convinced they relaxed. They scored 62 points. Um, I didn't really recognize how you can come out so flat and and not have that passion or that drive. Uh, you know, think about this. A lot, a lot of people had already changed the channel, but the last two minutes of the game, Greg Glenn came in and got two physical fouls. Yo-Yo made a three. Um, then Greg grabbed the defensive rebound and Cheddar got a layup and then Doug McDaniel got a steal, and then Greg Glenn got a steal. It was the first time all game that I thought Michigan played with that kind of energy where you say, yeah, they're getting after it. This is good. And the fact that Arizona State got mad and started pushing and yelling, they didn't, they didn't expect Michigan to play hard at any point. They totally lost respect for them. And, and so this game for Michigan um, has to be a reminder that basketball is all about what happens in the paint. You've got to get the ball to your big guy. You've got to close the paint on defense. And you've got to be able to drive and get the ball to the lane yourself. Michigan wasn't able to do any of those things. Well, I, I actually feel more encouraged about, you know, being able to work through the paint on, on offense. They'll, you know, they'll, they'll watch the film. Uh, if, if, if there was a deficit with Hunter, he, Hunter's a, He's nothing if not a, a self critic. Like he'll be better, he'll be better in, in the next game. And he and I, I don't anticipate you'll see him kind of you know letting his teammates off the hook either. Uh, you know maybe a little more in moment, be a little more demanding of, of those guys when especially when you see offensively they're lagging. All right, wait, let's let's stop shooting these jumpers. You know at least at least let's stop shooting them without me getting a touch. Maybe I draw some of that defense. And then and then we'll kick. But I need to get some touches. So yeah. maybe that that'll be a, a, one of the things that comes from this game offensively. My concern is defensively. You talking about closing off the paint. 
Tim, they have a problem guarding quickness. We saw it with Noah Farrakhan from Eastern Michigan. Uh, you know, they you, and you could see what the scout was. The scout initially was saying he can't go left. And so it was almost like they were overplaying him to force him left. And he was, I mean, he was getting to the, he was finishing. That way he said, okay, well, we'll scrap that plan. Now they get up in the shorts. Now he has a two-way go. Now he's in the rhythm. Because just when I say, let this dude shoot, he hits a three. Sort of like last night. They start off, they let him get in the rhythm because they are getting, they are getting blow-bys time after time after time. So now when you finally do start getting into them defensively, getting a hand in their face, bumping them a little bit, now they're hitting pro shots. They're hitting everything, right? Because you let them get in the rhythm. Guarding quickness, Tim. I don't know what the answer is. I'm curious if you have some solutions. But that is a problem that Michigan is going to have to figure out a way to deal with. So when I was in sixth grade, I had a coach that gave me some really basic old school advice. And he said, all you have to do on defense is to fake people, like like people in the stands, coaches, writers. You just want them to say, yeah, he's a good defender. All you have to do is you get in a stance and you keep your man in front of you and you talk a lot. You know, <laughs> we got help coming. I'm with you. There's a pick cut. You know, just talk. If you do those things, everybody will say he's a good defender. And then he said, this is the most important thing. If the guy that you're playing is right-handed, don't let him go to his right hand. And if you force a right-handed driver to his left, he will be one step slower than if you let him go to his right. And over the years, I found that to be so true. When guys get their right hand, they're strong, they're confident. They, they they go really fast and they go really hard and they know they can finish going to their right. You make them go left and that's a major problem. They're slower and they can't finish. And if Michigan could just do that, I think they'd be so much better. And there's a play that I remember where it was right in front of, of Arizona State's bench uh, where there was, there was a screen and Kobe Bufkin closed out off balance. You could see it right from the start. There's a blow by to the middle and Kobe is probably thinking that's okay. Hunter's there. You know, he's going to, he's going to take care of that. And and they, they lobbed right over the top because Hunter wasn't sure he didn't want to leave his man. And, and, and then I'm going to tell you from a big man's perspective, next time I'm not coming, you know, Mm -hmm. I don't want to get dunked on on national TV and, um, he's going to stick with his man if they keep allowing those blow-bys, and and that's a that's a major problem. Yeah, yeah. I, so solutions, though, Tim. Because here's the question: Is it a personnel thing, or or is it tactical? Can you fix this tactically, or do you need to try different personnel groupings? I, you know, I don't know the answer to that question. I mean, you're you're caught with if you're talking about Doug McDaniel getting more minutes at the one, you got a size and experience issue, right? Jalen Llewellyn has the experience, but he's, he's not, he doesn't have the quickness factor. Maybe you go, maybe you move Kobe over, but you know, he's a work in progress defensively. He's coming along. He's the, the best combination athlete of the bunch, but now, now you're depleting maybe some of your defense on the way. I, I'm curious what, 
what would you propose as a solution, as a possible patch for what we're seeing? Well, one of one of Juwan's big philosophies is to cover the three-point line. He he wants to get his guys out there and and he wants the opponent shooting below 30% from three. The problem is in this analytics world, everybody wants layups and threes. Right now, Michigan against Arizona State gave up both. I mean, Arizona State's not a great offense. They scored 87 points. And and if you let a team get layups early, it builds their confidence, then they start knocking down threes, and it doesn't really matter if it's contested or not. I mean, a contested three really doesn't do a whole lot because you're not going to block the shot out there, and the the guys already feel good about themselves. So I, I think starting out is important. If Michigan's playing zone, that worries me a lot. I, I just I think that's sending a message that we can't stay in front of these guys. Um, out of a timeout, I get that. That makes sense to me. So I, I just think back to the old school fundamentals. And I also think that that a lot of times the coaches tell the players the right things to do, and the players don't do it until it gets desperate. And th- that was desperate. And look, it's only one game. They're still in good shape. They've got plenty of opportunities. But Virginia and Kentucky and North Carolina are coming and and they will beat Michigan by 40 if they play defense like they did last night. So let's let's go issue by issue, player by player. Let's start off first with with shooting. Tim, they they shot so so well against Pitt, like you said, and you've been talking to Phil every week. I'm going to talk to Phil again next week, right? And he one of the consistent things after he talks about, hey, we need work on defense. So they've been talking about defense internally for a long time. Right? They they know they have some some things to get better at there. But the the positive thing has been we're going to be a better shooting team. He's been very consistent in saying that. And for a night, it looked like, okay, that's what he was talking about. Then they come out in this game, and it's like, man, it all went away. So are you concerned about shooting? Was it just an off night? Or do you think maybe our expectations for what they're going to be as a shooting team you think those expectations were off? I wouldn't say they're necessarily off. You just have to you have to to be able to identify who the fake shooters are and who the real shooters are. Um, and a, a fake shooter, I'm not saying they can't make threes. You just don't want them taking seven or eight of them. If Joey Baker or Jet Howard are going to take seven or eight threes, I'm happy with that. I think those guys are elite shooters. I expect their shot to go in. Um, I look for swishes when, when a guy shoots a three and it's dead on that, that guy is a shooter. So will Michigan be a better three point shooting team this year, as opposed to last? Well, I looked up Michigan last year, shot 34% from three. Okay. That was ninth in the big 10. It's okay. It's acceptable. Like they, they were a little bit streaky. You know, there, there were times they could be good three point shooters. Um, now right now, after four games, Sam, what do you think Michigan shooting from three? Under 30 for so 32 percent, 29, 29. That's 11th in the Big Ten. I know they're not playing anybody in the Big Ten right now, but just, you know, that's what other teams shoot. And good teams have great guards. And I don't think you can win big in college basketball or the NBA if you don't have great guards, that that's what the game is today. 
and Jalen Llewellyn and Doug McDaniel and Kobe Bufkin are the only guards on the Michigan roster. That's it. Um, and am I concerned with their shooting? Well, they're two for 39 from three, two from 39. That's 5%. And, and I just, I just don't know um, if, if we can expect them to all of a sudden to get hot. Right. Uh, I mean, let me say it again, two for 39. And, and I, I like Kobe. I think Kobe's got really good potential. Sam, I don't expect his jump shot to go in when I, when I see him shoot. And it's because I've never really seen him make shots. And, and so I'd love to see those guys start the game off and get to the lane. Um, You know, be able to, to make something happen, get to the foul line. At the 10-minute mark against Arizona State, Arizona State shot 71% in that stretch. Michigan shot 17%, right? So, once again, Arizona State is not a great team. They're, they're five new starters from transfers also. So, they're dealing with the same issues like a lot of teams, trying to, to figure out who everybody is. And, Sam, last night during that first 10 minutes, I kept saying to myself, you know who I'd like to see right now? Eli Brooks. <laughs> Eli always made the right play. And when you weren't shooting well, he would knock it down. And then also Michigan shooting 64% from the free throw line. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So I don't, I don't want to be melodramatic. I don't, I don't want to say, you know, the sky is falling, but I just, I, I think that that two for 39 is a big number. And, and it's something to think about what, do you think I'm off? No, I don't think you're off, and I understand the uh, the skepticism uh, about Kobe. I think people uh, have figured out by now. I, I really, I'm a big believer in his talent and, and what he could be. Numbers don't lie, though. Uh, as long as he's taking good looks, at least at at this stage of the season, and, and I felt like I felt like his jumpers weren't necessarily forced. But what I would say to your point, Tim, is I want you to. I, I want you to be more aggressive. I want you to be more intentional about, hey, I'm going to force the issue trying to get to the rim and and either either it's a layup or, or a foul line or get to the foul line and, and try to try to build a rhythm that way from from the charity stripe. Because uh, mm-hmm. I, I just I think to your point, if you're going to be a good team, if you're going to be a team that's beyond, a, you know, claw, scratching and clawing at the end to be it like they were last year, to be a tournament team and maybe be a second weekend team, then you're going to have to get much better guard play. And I think Kobe needs to be a guy for them in order for them to be what, what we were talking about, or at least what I was talking about them, them being. So I, I want him to keep shooting his open looks, but I want him to be more aggressive getting to the rim. I guess my, my bigger question, because I've seen Kobe before. I have a feel for what his game is. And so He's an elite driver. Yeah, really so they're, they're supposed to, my, my point in mentioning that is I know somebody would say, what, what do you mean you've seen Kobe before? You haven't seen him in college. You're right. I haven't seen him do it in college, but I know what his game is. I know what his skill set is, and I feel like it's in there and could come out. I don't know what Jalen Llewellyn is. I haven't seen him before. And what I've seen thus far, Tim, is, is a guy who, who really seems to be, I don't know if timid is the right word, but, but seems to uncomfortable. Uh, he seems uncomfortable. I don't know if that's just 
a product of being in a new in new surroundings or if it's about this level being too fast or too physical. I don't know the answers to those questions. And I'm curious what your perspective is on that, having seen him and maybe being more familiar with his game than me. Yeah, I I wouldn't say timid, um, but I wouldn't say alpha dog either. Uh, the things that I've heard and the, the time that I, I talked to him, he's he's quiet, he's nice, he's super smart. And clearly, he's a, a really good basketball player. You don't become all Ivy if, if you're not good, but there's such a massive jump in the speed and and getting used to a, a big environment. Um, you know, when I was a freshman in college, I remember my first game, how overwhelmed I was with the speed and the amount of information you have to process. The passes were coming in a little bit quicker. And I had never played against a guy that was 240 pounds before. And that took a while. And and I think back to Mike Smith and Devontae Jones, and they got off to a little bit of a slow start mm-hmm. as well. So I expect him to get better. I also feel good about the fact that against Fort Wayne, against Eastern Michigan and against Pittsburgh, he did his best work late. The more he got into the game, he found his way to the rim a little bit more. Um, just like Kobe, I don't expect him to make his three point shots because I haven't seen him make any. That doesn't mean they he's say, not. Didn't, a they good say, didn't they say he's like a 38% three point shooter coming in? Yeah, that's, but, but there's a difference. There, there's a difference in speed. The closeouts are going to get bigger, and they're going to get they're they're going to get taller. The Big Ten is no joke, and you know, like like Tyson Wheeler's not going to let him get, or Tyson Walker is not going to let him get a shot off, and and you put Terrence Shannon on him, and and that's going to be a problem. Also, defensively, he spent four years playing um, in a zone, and that's going to be different. Um, I was also thinking, I wanted to ask you this, Sam. So when you think about the fact that Isaiah Collier just committed to USC, and I, I, I don't think anybody's surprised by that, but what is, what is Michigan going to do next year? Can Jalen Llewellyn come back if, if, if he's that guy? Or are they going to have to, to be able to go out into the portal again? Or is there somebody that I don't know about that maybe they're looking at? So, yeah, he has there's – a, there's a possibility that he could come back. Uh, there, there's another year of eligibility in there. That's what I was told, mm-hmm. but I don't think that, you know, I don't think that that's a decision that you make right now. Right. I, I either way, e- whether it's him or, or Michigan, I think you wait to see how it goes because it might be a situation where they're right back in the portal next year. You hate to, you hate to go to the portal year after year to, to get a guy and then have to go through the transition process all over again. Right. But I think you need to go through and see whether the, the the issues that have arisen here early in the season, being able to guard quickness, uh, you know, not being able to get by guys uh, either, hoping that maybe his jump shot is able to give him leverage at some point, waiting to see if those things kind of settle into a guy who can be a consistent, productive player on both ends for him. But if it if it didn't work out that way, if these issues that we see at the beginning of the season persist, I think if you're Michigan, you would have to say, okay, it's probably better off for us to go into the portal again. But I, I'm I'm not passing judgment saying the verdict has been rendered. That's why I'm asking you a question. Like, okay, 
You know, he's had problems with Noah Farrakhan. He's had problems in this last game. Uh, and he's not the only one by any means, but it starts with being able to stop the basketball. That's where your defense starts, right? And so everything collapses from that point on. Can they fix that part? He has a big role in that, so we'll see. And certainly he has a big role as a shooter. Being another floor spreader, when we talked last week, he was part of my floor spreader spreading equation, right? Joey Baker over here, Jalen Llewellyn over there. Hasn't worked out like that so far, so I'm hoping that that rounds into form. What what I'd like to see is, regardless of how he plays, I mean, I think he's he's definitely going to get better, but I would love to see them bring Jalen Llewellyn back, and then you've got Doug and Jalen, who are second year in the program, and they're pretty familiar, and then you get another point guard and let those three guys fight it out, because right now the depth is horrible, and it scares me to death, because what do you do if Doug McDaniel or Jalen Llewellyn or Kobe Bufkin, for that matter, twists an ankle and they miss two weeks, there's no depth. And I don't have confidence that you can just take a small forward and put him at the point and he's going to be okay. Yeah. You, you mentioned Doug and, you know, how quickly can they grow him up? Doug, to me, is like, I don't know if you'll remember this guy, this pitcher, Matt Anderson for the Tigers. Y'all know if you remember. He was number one draft pick. Matt Anderson can throw the baseball 102 miles an hour. I mean, uh, was, I think I know you're saying no curveball, <laughs> <laughs> no off speed stuff. I got you. I, I got mean, you. hey, he could throw it 102 miles an hour. <laughs> and and he went up and they were playing the Orioles and Eric Davis came to the plate. You can probably find this on YouTube. And he hit a bomb. They said, how did you catch up to it? He said, I just closed my eyes and swung. <laughs> He's only going to throw one pitch. I know where it's going to be. I just got to make sure that I swing fast enough because there was no, it was one speed for Matt Anderson. And I feel right now there's one speed for Doug McDaniel. If they can teach him a, a breaking ball, an off-speed pitch, if they can teach him to slow it down some, get him to play more under control, you know, him getting increased minutes might be part of the solution for them. Yes. So, so I think Doug's doing a nice job. And – He's being true to himself. He's got the junkyard dog and, and he's going too fast, but he's, he leads the team in assists by far. And he had some really nice plays when nobody was making plays last night against Arizona state. And I also would say this, that, that Doug probably should not be playing this much right now. Like, wouldn't you like your freshman point guard to come and get mentored to, to, you know, sit there and watch the game and then go in, you know, for spot minutes. And that that's where you have a guy that that, that comes into the equation without a lot of baggage. Like he, he figures things out. He slows down. They just they put Doug out there and said, go play hard. And but I mean, he threw some passes, you know, against Eastern Michigan. I didn't know what in the world he was trying to do. Um, so, so Doug's going to be fine. He just, you know, he's. They they put him a little ahead of schedule, I think. Yeah, he he needs experience, and and that's why getting these growing pains early might be of of great benefit down the line. Not just not just in the role that he has now, but if his role needs to be bigger. Let, let's let's assume for the sake of argument, and I'm not saying that Jalen Llewellyn won't get not just but he doesn't need to just get better. He needs to get a lot better. And let's say that doesn't come especially when you guard quickness, right? So you mentioned Tyson Walker. I mean, you know, that's a quick dude. I mean, are you going to be able to stay in front of him? 
this is where a Dougie getting more minutes if he has if, if things have slowed down for him by that point might be beneficial to them. Again, I'm not throwing these out as answers I know will work. I don't. I'm throwing them out as questions more than anything, saying, hey, do you do you see this as a possibility for them? Because you're right. He shouldn't you ideally you wouldn't want him to play as much as he's playing right now, but you're in a position where you might actually need him to play more in the coming weeks and months. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Sam, did you do have a chance? ESPN put out their first mock NBA draft. I did not. Top 100 players. I did not see that. So I thought you'd find this interesting. Number 20 on the list is Jet Howard. And that number is not going to go down. It's going it, to, he's going to go higher in the draft if, if, if that's where they're going, because yeah. he, he's got a lot of upside. Does that worry you at all? No, it does not. It it actually is in keeping kind of with, with what I thought about how good he is. I I don't know that he's necessarily a, a one-and-done guy. I, I don't know that he goes up to the lottery level. Um, I think if he, if, if he comes back for year two, he's a lottery pick, mm-hmm. provided his game continues to, to round out. Because you laid out he is an outstanding shooter. But even outstanding shooters, shot quality matters, right? And so I think a lot of I think what you're seeing is teams are playing them for the jump shot and him not necessarily making them pay for that by putting it on the deck. It's a small sample space, but I think one of the keys for Jet, and we talked about it, the NBA Players Association Top 100 camp, we talked to him about it when we had him on here, is Jet is a better driver than I think people give him credit for. He's not, I'm not sitting here saying that he's going to cross everyone up, but Jet can, he can put it on a deck, especially when, when teams are, are going to close out recklessly on him like they do, right? That's going to create some opportunities going to the rim. So I think that's going to be part of his evolution this year is to not settle. It's to not settle because he is a, I think he's a great shooter. I know some people will say he needs to prove it first before you call him great. I think Jet Howard's a great shooter already. Mm-hmm. Take advantage of that when it comes to your off the, off the dribble game. So, I'm a I'm a, a big fan of Jet Howard. I'm not as big a fan of Amani Bates. Um and I know you like Amani a lot. He was number 30 on the list. And and I think that Jet Howard is so much more of an NBA prospect than Amani Bates. You think well, so? You, you know what? So that had but see, that's about neck up. I don't think that's about skill. See, because I, I'll tell you what I think. I think what we the Amani Bates we saw against Michigan, that's that's his talent. That's that's what he can do when he you think about the end of the game and it's basically one possession, and I'm watching him defer. I'm like, this is the time where you probably want to be a little more selfish, right? Like, man, okay, go get it. We need you to be aggressive. We need you to get to the rim. I felt like in that moment, this is a good thing for Stan, right? Mm-hmm. That he in this moment is willing to pass. Can you keep him grounded in in shot selection and and playing a team game and and being deferential because he has tremendous skill, but it's not always about him, right? Yeah. Can you can you get that from him? That's going to be Stan's biggest challenge. Jet, you know, I don't think that's an issue with Jet. So when when you make this assessment, because I think you know what I think of Jet too. I think Jet is a tremendous talent as well. Uh, and his his evolution is just different. Like Amani can put it on the deck, 
he can shoot the step back. You know, he could he could if he's concentrating on it, he can create for others. He just it gets to the point where he falls in love with his own shot. And I don't know how you coach that out of him, but that's the that's going to be the difference between him being pick number 30 and or pick number 13 or higher. I have a little bit different perspective. I I think that that Jed is a better prospect because he can work within a system. He can run an offense and, and Amani it's more shirts and skins. Let's just go out and play. He's very, he's very creative. He's got a a deep shot. And I also think at the end of the Michigan game, he didn't defer because he wanted to. I think that he lost his legs. I, I, I saw him cramping. I saw him, Maybe like I'm not saying he's out of shape. He, he's in good shape, but to be able to go at that speed uh, in that environment, the hype all day long, the, the the nerves and the anxiety and the stress. I think by the end of the night, his legs were gone, and Michigan's lucky that his legs were gone. And I also wonder, you know, how much has he been playing? You know, he he showed up right before um, camp started, and so I am. I, I I think Michigan's lucky that 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 he he was tired late. Yeah. So you 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 just I think you just gave the the basketball version of of the of the sort of raw analysis, the non basketball analysis that I probably just gave. You said he he jet fits into a system better. Which to me, that's that that neck up thing that I was just talking about. That you know it, it it's about playing within playing within the scheme playing within the team it's not always going to get yours i mean he he has a go get buckets he has that kind of talent and we saw it on display but like i said on a night where you're one for ten in the first half one for ten for five points in the first half i think it was hey man that's this is not that night where you should be putting up 20 shots right so yeah you know that's that maybe maybe he gets it if he does because i happen to think and i was talking to kevin rice about his sons on the team Right, Glenn, Glenn Rice's brother, Glenn Rice's nephew was on Eastern Squad. He's like, man, he got enough to win the match. I think they do. If if he can, if he can be what he was against Michigan that night, because it that night it wasn't just about Amani. Amani had a great game. He wasn't the only one that had a great game. I mean, there are other ball players on that squad. So I know we just this is the Michigan basketball insider, and we're talking Eastern Michigan right now, right? Well, but, as long as we're talking about other things, I am. My favorite thing about last night was not the Arizona State game, and it wasn't watching the Pistons. It was the fact that I really was happy to see Brandon Johns do so well. Um, it was good to see Frankie Collins play, Zeb Jackson, um, Greg Elliott, who played at Marquette from East English Village. Um, really like his game. So it was fun to watch all these other guys yeah. and, and see them doing well. So give me in a nutshell, Tim. Let's 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 give the people something to hold on to about because I don't want to leave this podcast hopeless. This is this team still has Hunter Dickinson, right? Hunter Dickinson is one of the best big men in the country, if not the best, right? And we'll we'll get a a test of that versus Shwebe and Baycott as for who, who earns that title. But still feed the big fella the ball, and that fixes a lot. Now we got to figure out on the other end of the floor how to fix that. So what can they hold? What can you give the fans to hold up, hold on to? What do you see as the next steps for this team as they prepare for some really tough opponents coming up? 
So as I try to get introspective here and try to try to think what 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 happens next, um, I'm trying to imagine the Michigan basketball practice tomorrow or the next day. Um, number one, they're they're going to to get back to old school fundamentals of defense. Get in your stance, keep your guy contained, talk on defense, help each other out, and and there's so much when you have. 10 guys that are all in new roles, you're trying to teach them the offense and the terminology and um, the new expectations. So I think that they're going to go back to the drawing board and really focus on fundamentals. Also with Hunter Dickinson, he he's such an asset. Here's the offense. Hunter gets a touch. Okay. Use misdirection, use pick and roll, um, lob to him, just get him a touch and everybody else will do so much better. Um, I, I also think that I, I want to give Hunter credit. Last year, I feel like I got down on him a little bit because he got so many fouls when he was setting screens. He's done a much better job of that. I want to give him kudos for not getting in foul trouble. Dude, and, him, so that's been the best part of the season. He's been setting yeah. deep cleaner screens. Tim. Yeah, you, used yeah. to, you used to set screens like that, too. I did once, and I, I, it was against Jim Paxson in Portland. And he turned around, hit me so hard. I said, I'm never going to set a pick like that on Jim Paxson again. <laughs> um, but I, I, if I had to guess right now, Michigan plays in the NCAA. This is not a tragic turn of events last night. It doesn't mean they're not going to be good. They just have to, they have to really go back to the drawing board. And I also think that the coaches were like, oh, my gosh, I didn't see this coming, like the worst loss in history. And it reminds me a little bit of Seton Hall last year, okay? It was a home game, and they only lost by a few points. So, you know, it was different from that standpoint. But that really hurt Michigan from a resume standpoint. And they've got to be able to knock off Kentucky or Virginia or North Carolina. They they can't afford to go into the Big Ten with four non-conference losses. They, They just can't afford that. So, so they've got to get better, and they've got to get better in a hurry. Well said, well stated, my friend. Uh, any thoughts on Michigan, Illinois before this? Because uh, by the time we come back next time, it'll be the game. It'll be the week of the game. So, you got any thoughts on Michigan, Illinois? You think Michigan's going to take so, care of business early, yeah. or do you think it's going to be a fourth quarter game? No. So, um, my thoughts right now on the game is normally. Like last weekend, I wore long underwear with my jeans. So tomorrow, I'm going to wear long underwear with my long, heavy sweatpants. And I'm going to wear three sweatshirts. And here's my advice to all cold weather fans. I wear neck warmers. If your neck is warm, your whole body is going to be warm. So I've got, I've got two hats. I've got one of those big, those big Russian hats. Remember you know, with the big fur, I might might break that out. Now you've been hanging um, out with Devin Gardner, I see. Yeah, yeah. So that that's my thinking. And I I can't think of a more devastating outcome if they don't take care of business because next week it'll it'll be so exciting. And the last time I was in Columbus at the shoe was number one versus number two the day after Bo Schembechler died. And I, I remember, I remember it so well because um, earlier in the year, Rich Rodriguez invited me to come speak to the football team, 
and and I believe that was Chad Henney, and it was out of I, I've given hundreds of speeches. That was the one. So that would that, have to have been Lloyd, right? So yeah, Lloyd was the was the coach at 16. Right, yeah. right. Yeah. Was it 06? Yeah. Um, Bo died the day before, and um, I I'm not sure. I it, are you sure it was? It might have been Rich Rod. I I I'm Rich, pretty sure Rich, it was. Rich's first year coaching was 08. Okay. I'll have to do some research, but anyway, I, um, I spoke to the team. It was my favorite speech ever. And, and after they said, you know, what can we do to say thanks? And I said, I'd like two tickets from Michigan, Ohio state. <laughs> and so I took my son and it was just, it was amazing. It was an amazing environment. And the way down, Sam, I remember um, I brought some copy paper and some, some crayons. Kellen was younger then. And I said, I want you to make a sign that says, go Buckeyes. And, and he did that. And, and I said, I want you to make a big O that, that's red and black. And he did that. And, um, and he said, why are we doing this? I said, because we're going to put it in the windshield because I don't, I don't want my mirror ripped off. I don't want my car damaged. So, so we, um, we did that. That's a tip. That's a great tip, yeah. man. You yeah. know, when you, yeah. when you infiltrate enemy territory, Wear camouflage. Make them think so, you wanted them. Right? So coming on the, the podcast, Sam, all I want from you is to get me a Michigan Ohio State ticket next week. All right. Uh, Tim, <laughs> <laughs> you know you're my guy. You know I love you. I'll try my best, but yeah, that's gonna be a real, real, really tough ticket. Really tough ticket. And plus, now they know who you are, Tim. They know who you are. I don't know that the camouflage. I don't know about that. But I, I will say this, we have 25 family members coming and they're all watching the Michigan-Ohio State game in my, my parents' house. And I said, I'm not going to be there. I'm going to be on a TV. I've got a little chair. I'm going to sit right in front of the TV. I'm going to get my popcorn and my drink, and I'm not leaving the whole time, just watching the game. <laughs> I got you. Well, until then, though, folks, we're going to be talking Michigan basketball. Hopefully, a lot of the things that we talked about by the time we come back for the next show, we will see some progress along those lines. Even if we don't, though, you know we'll be here to talk about it. If you like this podcast, be sure to rate it. Be sure to review it. Be sure to tell all your friends about it. They can find it wherever they get their podcasts. Google, Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, you name it. And, of course, on YouTube, be sure to like the video. Be sure to subscribe to the channel. That way, every time we put up a new video, you'll get a notification letting you know. And talk to Tim about it. We are going to start going live. I saw your comments. You said you want us to go live. So we're going to start doing that. But going to wait till after Thanksgiving. And then we'll start getting into the lives as the regular football season will be over. Focus will start to shift more to, obviously, Big Ten Championship and the playoffs. But a lot of basketball in between. And we'll be going live to talk about these Wolverines. Until then, folks, thanks for watching another edition of the Michigan Basketball Insider. Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. Are you still listening? Good. Take a deep breath. You needed a break. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. So, yes. You can literally stream a stream. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation.